But what happens sometimes, and I felt like I was kind of a part of this, that you hear that over and over and over. And yes, you come to faith in Christ and you make a profession of faith, but then what do you do from there? And I think this is what happens. Life comes along and it starts choking it out. You have the seed, you have everything going well, but then you have, you know, bills that are late. You know, you have kids that are wayward. You have bosses that are difficult to deal with. You have life bear down on you. Hey, faithful listener, grab your cup of coffee and experience the Bible in a way you never have before. P40 Ministries is a podcast that goes through the Bible cover to cover. It's an awesome narrative that focuses your mind and prepares your heart for God to speak. So join your host, Jen, for a biblical podcast that's hilarious, informative, imaginative, and fun. The P40 Ministries podcast. Listen now as we go through the book of Luke. Hello and good morning, faithful listeners. Thanks for tuning in, as always, to the P40 Ministries podcast. And guess what? Steve is back on the podcast. I enjoyed our episode so much in Leviticus that I wanted him back for Luke. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me back, first and foremost, Jen. It it was a blast talking to you. And I figure if we could get through Leviticus chapter 18 together, we could do anything. So, Oh, yeah, for (laughs) sure. And hopefully this one's going to be a little bit easier. This one's going to be talking about a pretty well-known parable in Luke chapter 8. But yeah, Steve, just in in case anybody uh, missed the last episode that we did together, go ahead and uh, tell everybody, the audience, who you are, what you do, and just a little fun fact about yourself, maybe. Well, I uh, work in Little Rock, Arkansas. I am from uh, from originally from Shreveport, Louisiana. I moved up here uh, about 20 years ago and have my whole family and we're here. And I'm sure your listeners may be familiar with the Fish Cleveland and all the good stuff that they do. Well, I work for the same company. I'm the morning show host of the Fish Little Rock. So um, we do mornings with Steve every day. And then I also host... Uh, Stephen Bethany's Hopecast, which is uh, with Bethany, who has been a guest on your program as well. And uh, we're just staying busy like everybody else. And um, and uh, I'm looking forward to diving back in and talking about some more scripture and really uh, sinking our teeth into this uh, to this wonderful little uh, passage. Yes, thanks. I appreciate that. And yeah, for anybody listening in, if you guys tuned in to last Thursday's episode, um, that was the one where Bethany was uh, on the podcast. And excuse my dog. He is uh, active this morning, so he is running around and I can hear his little toenails. <laughs> but that's, no, all, that's right. all good. That makes it even that just makes it even more real. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, we're real here. OK, so let's go ahead and talk about Luke chapter eight. Verses 1 through 18, and I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. as I always do. Please feel free to read out of the version you prefer to read out of. Grab that cup of coffee or that cup of tea, and let's go ahead and start. Soon afterwards, he went about through the cities and villages, preaching and bringing the good news of God's kingdom. 
With him were the twelve, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusis, Herod's steward, Susanna, and many others, who served them from their possessions. When a great multitude came together, and people from every city were coming to him, he spoke by a parable. The farmer went out to sow his seed. As he sowed, some fell along the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the sky devoured it. Other seed fell on the rock, and as soon as it grew, it withered away, because it had no moisture. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew with it and choked it. Others fell into the good ground and grew and produced one hundred times as much fruit. And he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, What does this parable mean? And he said, To you it is given to know the mysteries of God's kingdom, but to the rest in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. From Isaiah 6, verse 9. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those along the road are those who hear, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart, that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocks are they who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, but these have no root, who believed for a while, then fall away in time of temptation. That which fell among the thorns, these are those who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to maturity. Those on the good ground, these are those who are with an honest and good heart, having heard the word, hold it tightly, and produce fruit with perseverance." No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a container or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand, that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be revealed, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Be careful, therefore, how you hear. For whoever has, to him will be given, and whoever doesn't have, from him will be taken away, even that which he thinks he has. It's a lot to unpack. Oh, I know. It's so much to unpack. And, you know, I think that this parable is like one of the most famous that Jesus talks about. I always hear this one being preached about in services, particularly. And I love this one. I think this is great. I do, too. But if you don't mind, I like to go back to the very first part of it from verses one through about three, because I think there's some good stuff there as well before we get into this parable. Um, mm-hmm. When it talks about, I, I don't know if you've seen the series, The Chosen, if you've watched that, um, but it really, and again, you have to be careful because there's creative license and stuff. You have to know what the Bible says versus what you see on screens because sometimes they don't match up. But one of the things I've really dug about The Chosen was the fact that the disciples have all together and yet they weren't just unified. They were unified in the fact that Jesus had called each one of them. But as far as them being friends and being just together, you, did, you didn't see that brotherhood, that unity. And I thought it was really very well displayed there in, in The Chosen. And it kind of opened my eyes because I think maybe that's what we're seeing. Maybe something uh, around here with, when we're talking about the disciples being together and you're talking about the ladies being there and um I mean, and and I just I just thought that really struck a nerve with me when I saw when I saw the chosen portray that because I think uh, you've got a kind of a ragtag bunch of people that have come from all different backgrounds. I mean, it's just I mean, it really is a, a picture of the church. You know, there's really nothing else in common that they have except for that Jesus had called them by name, and so 
their interactions to me is fascinating. And when I read that the ladies were there ministering and you've got all types of, of ladies there too. I mean, you, you see uh, Mary Magdalene there, but then also uh, sticks out to me is Joanna, the, uh, the, the, uh, the wife of Herod steward. Now who was Herod? Herod was king of, of, of Israel. He was king of the, of the, uh, of the Jews. So <clears throat> now he was, only king to uh, as as much as Rome would allow him to be king because the Roman Empire was ruling at that time. So I mean, Jesus's word in the in the ministry had spread like crazy. I mean, it even got into the king's palace. So I thought that was kind of interesting that uh, that Joanna and well, I guess we would presume her husband, but maybe not. She left all to follow Jesus, which I thought was just really interesting. And Susanna, don't know who. She is necessarily, we're not told really anything more about her, but I just, I just have this wonderful kind of vision of this just group of people who just really don't know each other, don't really have a whole lot in common, but yet they've all been called together to follow after the Messiah. And they're just kind of learning on their own and they're just kind of trying to form friendships and kind of understand what in the world's going on. Anyway, that just kind of jumped out at me when, when I read this passage, because I, I really think sometimes we, or I tend to anyway, skip through and skip past some of that. It, and there's really some good stuff in there. So, um, so anyway, I, I just wanted to, just to bring that up, but anyway, let's, let's, let's get into uh, the parable of the sower. I mean, my impressions of it at first is um, just taking kind of the 50,000 foot view of it is the fact that um there's nothing wrong with the seed. The seed is the word of God. It's the soil. The soil has problems. And when Jesus explains what the soil is and what's each type of person's heart, then you can kind of understand why the word of God. I mean, it's not the word of God's fault. You know, it's not the, it's not the gospel's fault that it doesn't produce in, in everyone because and I think that shows that, that um, we have, personal responsibility um, to, to what we hear and we're uh, as far as the gospel goes. And I know that intersects with um, God's sovereign will and how does it all work? It, I have no idea where it all crosses paths, but I do know that to, to say either extreme, you know, either we all have, we have all of our free choice and there's nothing God can do about it versus well, God's sovereign, and it doesn't matter what we do. I, I, I think those are two extremes. I think the answer is somewhere in the middle. I don't know where it is, but I do think that uh, that each person, I think this this passage more than any, points it out that we have uh, we have a responsibility with the gospel. And you know what? I, I kind of appreciate what you said there about taking a middle stance between like um, almost kind of what sounds like Calvinism and Armenianism. <laughs> well, again, I don't, and I'm not doing that to try to be political. I, I really do. No. I think the answer is in the middle. I in the middle. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I think that, and that's something that is interesting about this portion is last time I had somebody on here, she, I would guess probably leaned more Calvinistic because we talked about this parable, I believe in Matthew. And um, she made the point of, how since people cannot lose their salvation at any point, that meant that the the people who had the, the sown seed in the rocks were still Christians. And I didn't argue it. I was kind of like, okay, 
Um, I, I don't really take a stance either way, mm-hmm. honestly, on that. And um, some people might disagree with me on that, that I don't take a stance. But I, I'm curious, Steve, to hear what your stance is on that. Do you believe that people can lose their salvation or do you believe that uh, salvation is something that can never be lost. Oh, absolutely not. I, I think the Bible is pretty clear that it's not us holding on to God. It's it's God holding on to us. So no, I don't think that you can lose your salvation uh, in any way, shape or form, because here's the thing. If we could, we would. It would already be lost a long time ago. I know for that, my and my life is 100% true. Now, when you start talking about things like this, does was salvation really there to begin with? That's kind of, I, to me is the question, not uh, did they have it and lose it, but was it ever really there? I think is, is the better question to answer to ask when you're reading through this passage and through the scripture. And, and it's something else that I know we can get into this a little bit later too, but another thing that, that jumped out at me at this uh, passage was uh, the fact that Jesus told this parable, but yet his disciples at the end they uh, they questioned, said, hey, I don't understand what you mean. And then he went on to explain it. I think whenever you see Jesus in the scriptures and somebody is genuinely asking questions, genuinely not understanding, Jesus takes all the time in the world to explain stuff. Uh, we could look to see that with Nicodemus in John chapter three. It's only when those people are trying to uh, trip him up uh, or their heart's not in the right place that he just dismisses them. So I, I think we see the compassion of Jesus in this, in this too, but let's, let's get into it a little more deeper. I, those are just two the, of uh, the 50,000 foot version uh, observations <laughs> I had. So let's go wherever yes. you want to go. Yeah. 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 Thanks for uh, explaining all that. Firstly, I'd like to go back to what you said about um, Joanna the woman who was uh, Herod's steward's wife. And it says the wife of chooses. And I don't know if that is correct. So I just guessed when I read that. You did a great <laughs> job reading through it. I would have never known you do, didn't know who it was. Because I don't know who it was either. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, she was the wife of chooses, Herod's steward. And yeah, I, I never caught that before. And even as I was reading it now, I didn't catch that. I was kind of like, okay, whatever, just some lady. Let's get on to the, you know, the mm-hmm. parable. So I appreciate that you called that out, that you were just like, we always skip over this stuff. And even as I was reading it, I was skipping over it in my mind. <laughs> yeah, it, it's the details that are so rich to me that are in scripture. Uh, sometimes, And I'm as guilty as anybody I, I, of not really uh, paying as close attention. But I guess it's just because, like I said earlier, I had just finished watching The Chosen. So... I've, I've seen those visuals of the, of that group just kind of mingling together and, and, and being at camp together with Jesus and they have their own little kind of clicks and their own kind of little things. They're mm-hmm. learning how to get along with one another. And I just thought, what a great picture of the church that that really is. And that I had never thought about before. So when I went and really, honestly, when you asked me to, before we started the, uh, the episode to read through this, I had never really paid that much attention to it either. And I thought, oh, this is the chosen. This is what we were just, I was just watching. So, yeah, that's great. And you know what? I always mention in the chosen how I like uh, Matthew in particular. Oh, me too. <laughs> He's so relatable he, because I'm, I'm the type of person that wants to wipe down all the surfaces too. <laughs> I, I love the actor. I'm not even sure of his name. I think he does a phenomenal uh, yeah. job. Uh, 
And I love the dynamic that, you know, in, in his day, he was considered a traitor uh, because he was a Jewish person and he went to work for the Romans, which was just the worst thing that you can do. I mean, they're your oppressors and now you're going to work for him. So to have Matthew in that dynamic of being in the midst of the of the disciples, I, I bet it took him a long time to accept Matthew. You know, I think we just mm-hmm. tend to automatically think, oh, it was just all, you know, sunshine and roses from the very beginning. But but probably, probably not, you know, and I think yeah. the Chosen did a really good job of portraying that. Again, do we know? We don't know for sure because the Bible doesn't tell us because really in the grand scheme of things, it's probably not that important. But I, I do think it's reasonable the way they portrayed it, though. Well, moving forward to um, to the parable where it talks about the different seeds, it says Jesus explains this very clearly to his disciples. And I think there's um, this account is mentioned also in Matthew, which I discussed earlier. But when Jesus made the account in Matthew, he actually, um, I wouldn't say really scolded his disciples, but kind of were like, if you don't understand this, you're not going to be able to understand anything else that I'm saying. And so mm-hmm. he laid it out really clearly, as Steve said, to his disciples, because it was very important for his disciples to understand this parable so that they could begin to understand other things. And uh, Jesus kind of says that this is one of the most simplistic parables that he gives to understand, too. I think he did say that because he's like, if, yeah, yeah, if you don't understand this, how are you going to understand uh, the other stuff? But um, it says that, you know, the seed that Jesus is is talking about in the parable was the word of God. And so some seed fell and was just like trampled. So that represents the people who, um, you know, just didn't listen, didn't care, didn't want it. And mm-hmm. then it says uh, the, the seed that fell on the rocky soil, some of those little shoots came up, you know, and immediately got choked away because the rocky soil is not great for producing like good crops. And then um, what's the next one? Uh, yes, the fell among the thorns. Those are the people who have heard, but then they uh, are choked away as the as the shoot starts to grow. You know, they get choked away by those thorns of the stuff that, of the world, you know, the cares, riches, everything else mm-hmm. that they could want on earth. And so a lot of people have said that this could be explaining how People can lose their salvation, in fact. And this is something that Steve and I already briefly discussed. I I do fall more into the camp of people can't lose their salvation. But how do you explain the people who initially, you know, had that seed sown, initially um, started to grow in the word, but then all of a sudden they just don't follow it anymore? How would you explain that? Well, I think I think the best place to go for the answer is that is to Jesus himself, which is right down in the, as we move down the scripture. But I, I think I have seen this, you know, I've been in church circles for most of my adult life. And um, I think you see this a lot. I think you do see people who come to faith, especially in my kind of tradition as a Southern Baptist. You know, our big stance is it seems like almost sometimes to a detriment of other things is you have to be saved. You have to come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. I mean, that is the foundation of what is preached in a Southern Baptist church on Sunday morning. And it's pounded constantly, which is great. I mean, you need to. But what happens sometimes and I felt like I was kind of a part of this. 
that you hear that over and over and over. And yes, you come to faith in Christ and you make a profession of faith, but then what do you do from there? And I think this is what happens. Life comes along and it starts choking it out. You have the seed, you have everything going well, but then, you know, you have, you know, bills that are late. You have kids that are wayward. You have bosses that are difficult to deal with. You have life bear down on you. And if you don't have a rooted foundation with Christ as a, a relationship with Christ as a foundation, then yeah, you're going to get that choked out. And again, I don't know that that means that they lose their salvation. In fact, I, I would argue that they don't. I'm just saying they're just not rooted deep. The cares of this world and the things that have happened, they have come to a certain point and just kind of stopped growing. It kind of stops on Sunday with a lot of people. And you kind of go back to your way of life on Monday. And then you go to church and you hear the sermon and you say amen. And you, you give your little money in the plate and you move on. And you just go back around about your week. And then when life starts happening, God, where are you? What's going on? How do I handle this? Well, that's because they haven't developed that relationship at all. And the cares of this world and the, the hardships of this world just kind of get there and stifle their growth. It's almost like, well, it's almost like what Jesus was talking about with the basket. You don't put the, you don't put a light underneath the basket and you don't put, you know, you don't, you don't do things. To, I'm not a gardener, so I'm not exactly sure how to metaphor, to create a metaphor, but you don't put stuff around a plant to where it can't grow. You don't stifle the growth. You, you, you get all the weeds and everything else out of the way so it can grow and flourish. But if those weeds and everything are there, it, it's not going to. And sometimes that's what we see. So no, I, a long, long, long way of answering. No, I don't think this at all shows that uh, you lose your salvation. I just think it's not rooted very deep. Mm-hmm. People fall away. They don't I think, understand the importance of maintaining that spiritual relationship with God, because that's one of the most important relationships you can, that is the most important relationship you can ever have. It's not one of them. It's the most. And yeah, I mean, people forget that because God is so faithful. He's always around. And so people forget that we need to maintain that relationship because God is faithful. And even when when we fall away, God is still there. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. And so that's kind of, I think, something that people need to recognize is that the spiritual relationship is the most important one they can have. And well, and I think another thing about it that Jesus talks about is not just cares of the world and being in a negative sense, but just all the, the trappings of materialism and just being pulled in a million different directions. The kids got sports. So we're not going to be in church because we're going to make sure little Timmy becomes the next Michael Jordan. You know, we're going to, you know, you know what I mean? It, it's just that kind of stuff is prevalent to where, you know, it gets so nice in the summer times. Well, I'm going to take my boat out for the weekend and in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with any of that, but if you allow it to, it's going to choke out your relationship with God. And it's just what you just said. The most important relationship we should have as believers is with God. And that should be our priority is to develop that relationship. Sure. Go out, take your kids, let them be involved in sports. You know, you go out camping or, or whatever your hobby is going to the lake in the summertime, but it's got to be in perspective of What's the best thing for my relationship with God? And that's not a question I can answer for anybody else but myself. Right. right. Yeah, Steve, I appreciate that. And guess what? We're almost at 30 minutes of talking already. 
Isn't that crazy? Well, I can't say <laughs> I can't say hello without taking about 15 minutes. So, yeah, I can be the same way sometimes. But let's go ahead and talk about 16 through 18 a little bit more before we stop. Okay. Um, it says no one when he's lit a lamp, covers it with the container, puts it under the bed, but he puts it on a stand that those who enter may see the light. That's just talking about our faith in general. And you know what? If we stifle that, that's not only a detriment to us, but it's also a detriment to other people. As kind yeah. of what Jesus is saying here, that even though, yeah, we need our spiritual relationship for us, it's also a light for other people. So imagine if, you know, we just continue to stifle that we could be causing somebody to not start following Jesus in a way. I think you're absolutely right, because he has placed us in the different places that we are, whether it be in the family that you're in, the workplace that you are, the the hobbies that you have with with other people. For whatever reason, in his sovereign plan, God has chosen you to be in that group of people and, and yes, to be his representative. So I think you're absolutely right. You let your light be stifled and yeah, it does more harm. Cause I think a lot of times that's what we would want to say, well, I'm just only harming myself as if that's good. You know, is that's okay. But I think your point is, is a really good one that, that, yeah, not only are you harming yourself, you could be harming what God wants to do through you in the lives of others. Exactly. Because light is a good thing. Because if you continue to stifle that, people are not going to be able to see when they enter in that room and then they could potentially get hurt. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that's a, an analogy that Jesus was making for us um, to shine our lights. But then verse 17, for nothing is hidden that will not be revealed, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Be careful, therefore, how you hear. That's like a warning. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. Yeah. It, yeah. It really is. And I'm not exactly sure. It could be a, a couple of different things, what Jesus is talking about here. I think it is kind of open to interpretation because I think you can put in a bunch of stuff like that. I, I think when he's uh, talking about this, he's obviously talking to his disciples. So I think first and foremost, when he's talking about this, he knows that they don't get it yet. He knows that they don't understand about what, why he's really there and what he's really come to do and how he's really going to die and how he's really going to rise again. They don't get all that yet. So I think that's part of it that, that he's, kind of giving them a little taste saying, hey, look, nothing's in secret that's not going to be revealed. So even though he's told them this, this I think that's when the light's going to shine after, you know, on the third day is when the light starts shining for them on that. But I think it's also a part of uh, you, you can't get away with anything. I mean, I think it also just shows that God's going to expose our deeds in the light, you know, just to be able to Make sure that nothing we do and say and any kind of idle thought, any kind of idle word that we say is going to be brought to the light. That should uh, wake us up, you know. It definitely should. I don't know. That's kind of scary, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and I don't <laughs> think I, I think some people would use that to say for the whole world to see. I, I don't think that I don't think God's in, in, into embarrassing people, but I do think between you and him, yeah, I think he's he's going to expose uh, our deeds for what they are, and they're going to show, you know, a lot of times just how 
maybe how far we were away from him. Cause I think, I think this also talks about how um, at the very end here, he says, so take care how you listen for whoever has to him is more shall be given and who does not have even what he thinks he has shall be taken away from him. I think that goes back to the not rooted firmly. You know, you, you may think you have a solid relationship with God for whatever reason, like, you know, I'm, I'm okay with God cause I'm a, I'm a moral person. I don't do anything that, uh, is against the law, whether it's ethically or, you know, legally. So I'm going to be fine with God. Well, I think this passage is, is part of that telling, no, what you think you have, you really don't have, you don't have a real relationship with God. Maybe, maybe it's because you just haven't grown, or maybe you think just because of who you were or where you grew up or whose family you were in that you have something that you really don't have. Yeah. And that reminds me of the um, rich man, the rich young man who said, he's like, I follow the law. Like I've never murdered. I've never done this and never done that. And so he says, I'm good with, with you, Jesus. Right. But Jesus is like, yeah, you're kind of not. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's exactly what, that's exactly right. Because I mean, just the, just the, the audacity to say, Oh, well, I've kept all of those since I was a kid. Well, well, if you really look at the Bible, you really look at the new, the, the 10 commandments, none of us have kept the 10 commandments at all. I mean, we can tick them all off and we all are guilty. Now we may not be guilty of all 10 of them, although I think there's an argument to be made. We probably are guilty of all 10, but, but the Bible says you're guilty of one, you're guilty of them all. So it really doesn't matter. But yeah, I mean, that just shows that rich young ruler thought, well, I, I, I've done that. I, I've kept the law since I was a kid. Well, <laughs> that, that right there shows he didn't know what he was talking about. He didn't have what he thought he had. I agree. And he probably, I mean, one of the laws in the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not covet, right? Which is to want other people's stuff mm -hmm. or rather, or even just to be greedy. It doesn't even have to be somebody else's stuff, but right. just greediness. And in a way, that young man was greedy because he kind of... He wanted to have his cake and eat it. <laughs> yeah, and I don't, I don't think necessarily covet, covet not only not only uh, being upset that people have stuff, but almost to the point of being, I'm upset that they have it and I don't, meaning like I, I, I we did a whole episode on our podcast about this, uh, about am I envious? You know, we like, oh, of course not. I'm not envious. I'm a Christian. I'm a Jesus follower. There's no way I'm envious. But you know, I can look back at a time when when I've seen people at, at the jobs I was at get promoted over me. And I was like, hey, I felt like I was the best person for the job. I felt like I, I had a better work ethic. The whole thing, I could give you a laundry list of reasons why I was better than that person. But somebody else got it and I wasn't happy about it. You know, that's mm -hmm. that's breaking that's breaking that 10th commandment. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of that. And I would say. Honestly, probably most people are in the age of social media. Yeah. Where we and, can and just so see great, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. But what's so great about the Ten Commandments is I think people don't really uh, put two and two together a lot of times. I mean, really, the Ten Commandments was a mirror. Paul says it's a mirror to show us our need for a Savior. We can't keep these no matter how hard we try. So we have to have somebody, a, a savior come in because we're sunk. If that is the rule book, which I mean, I, I say it wasn't the rule book. It, it is the rules, but it's more of a mirror to show us that we can't keep it and to show our great need for a savior. 
But anyway, right, I, exactly. I don't know how I got off on the Ten Commandments. But. <laughs> no, that's all right. But yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, we definitely need a savior. And I think that's the entire um, premise of the Bible is just talking about our need for a savior. Yeah. But thanks, Steve. I mean, I think that that was a great discussion. And uh, unfortunately, we are over 30 minutes now. Over 30 <laughs> minutes again. I, I, I've got to learn to be more succinct. That's that's the thing. I've got to speak in shorter sentences because I, I really enjoy this. I feel like we're just getting started and we got to we got to cut it off. Oh, I know. I know. It's unfortunate. I'm the same way. It's just like we're having so much fun and then all of a sudden yeah. it's over. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> we got to think about the audience. Yeah. All right. Well, Steve, um, definitely tell everybody where they can find you once again, if they didn't catch the last episode you were on. Yeah, I would love for you to check out our website, stephenbethany.com. We've got all of our archive programs listed there. You can see them on video. And um, we kind of, our podcast is basically taking the tough questions of life and faith and trying to bring hope, you know, Mm -hmm. because I think there's a lot of people who know what the Bible says or know what's kind of expected as a follower of Jesus. But how do you really put that into practice in your own life. That's kind of what we do on our podcast. And we have some fun with it too. And uh, we would love for you to check it out again at stephenbethany.com. We release on Thursdays. So um, you can uh, check it out this Thursday. We're going to, and we're starting something new. If you let me plug this real quick, Um, we're starting a new uh, interview series, which I want to have you on, by the way, on our YouTube. It's going to be exclusive to our YouTube channel just to uh, have something a little different, go in depth with interviews. So uh, we're looking forward to having you on soon on that as well so uh so yeah we've got a lot going on and you know if you uh if you'd like to check me out on the radio i'd love for you to do that you can uh, dial us up on on an app uh go to 93.3 fmthefish.com or we've got the 93.3 the fish app on your smartphone you can listen to my morning show um out of little rock every morning six to ten central time awesome thanks steve i appreciate that thanks for telling me how to find you too because <laughs> I tune into Stephen Bethany's, but I've never tuned into your morning show before, so that'll be interesting. All right. Well, guys, I'm going to drop a link to all that stuff in the bio of this podcast episode, and make sure to uh, follow Steve and also Bethany as well. Follow them and, uh, you know, just show them a little love and thank them for coming on the P4E Ministries podcast. But guys, thanks so much for tuning into this episode. Happy listening and God bless. <laughs>